Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. And Odd Rods over here talking about the top 14 used trucks not to buy. Yeah. I know it's been like, I don't know, 10 minutes since you've heard our voice. Hope the weather and the news is to your liking. Um, but we got some news that might not be to your liking if you're out there looking for a new truck. Of course, if you didn't tune into the last hour of our show, I encourage you um, probably about tomorrow to hop on uh, iTunes and uh, dig it up or jump on the 1063WRD.com page and look at the podcast uploaded there and catch the first half because we went over some trucks that you shouldn't buy. We're actually sitting in on our number seven spot, so I say let's kick it off. Let's rock with it. Number seven is going to be the 2006 and 7, and also the 2012 to 15 Dodge Ram HD. So in between 8 and 11, you're good to go there. But otherwise, the 2006 to 2015 Dodge Ram HD, these things were plagued with problems, and a lot of them. Um, for those who remember, because a lot of those years wasn't that long ago. The first problem is that Mega Cab. It's funny looking. Yeah, this was during the Mega Cab model years, and, and that you know I like the Mega Cab. I always have. I, I thought they just look weird. They don't look right. They look like a limousine truck. They really do. Um, but I always thought they were great because like they give you so much room. You have all the room in the world as far as the truck goes. Yeah, just nobody wants to ride with you. Yeah, because you're in a Mega Cab. But uh, the 2500 and the 3500 series Dodge Ram um, that they built between these years are famous uh, for a series of problems. In fact, in that period, Dodge trucks were subject to several big recalls. Um, so be aware of that when you search online to see the exact models that they recalled. Um, often these big trucks suffered with AC and heater failures. Once you live down here with us in the south, AC going out in the middle of July is not something you want. Um and it's getting pretty cold this winter, so you know, failing heater system isn't that great either. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. Um, transmission problems, which transmission problems have plagued the Dodges for years and years and years. That was actually the demise of my 94, and I just didn't want to sink any more money into the truck. Um, and you know, as they get newer, they get more expensive. And the worst thing in the world is to have a 2015 truck that is only three going on or two going on three years old to uh poop its transmission all over the floor definitely don't want that that can be very transmissions are so bad i couldn't think of the other or i couldn't say the other word um but you definitely you don't want this they have other drivetrain issues steering issues the brakes were known to be problematic with these trucks so pretty much everything you need to successfully drive this truck to and fro is known to be problematic and, and it looks funny 
And if you're like Rob, you don't like the Mega Cap version, yes, they do look pretty funny. Uh, some years are better and some years are worse, so it all depends on the recalls and the component installations, as well as the mileage of the exact truck you're looking at. Models with lots of miles and had a hard life, which sometimes can be hard to tell, um, they seem to develop their issues with suspensions and drive shaft issues, um, which can also be not that great. Um, one thing to keep in mind when you go to test drive or look at one of these trucks, um, while driving, if there's a vibration or noise coming from underneath the truck, move on to the next one, which I would say that with any truck. Um, but with these, I mean, it could be a bad tire. It could be a bad tire, but with these trucks, it's more likely probably going to be a drive shaft or some sort of suspension issue, which drive shaft not so much, but again, the suspension issues can get quite costly. Um, I hate to say it, I remember these recalls going on with these trucks. They There was a ton of recalls with these trucks. And I remember, you know, God of my, I thought this was going to cripple Dodge because that's like one of their best-selling things is the Ram series. And this took a toll on them. It did. Um, but you know what? I, the Dodge truck's not a bad truck. I know a lot of people with them. Like I said, I did have one. Uh, but just be mindful of these years and these different models because they can turn out to be a big pile a big waste of money really a big pile of junk um so just be mindful of that one um so moving right along coming in our number eight spot i hate to say it but another dodge has picked up the ranks and a series of dodge the 2000 to 2006 dodge dakota although this is when they restyled them and they did look pretty good well basically it was a mitsubishi truck exactly um as you may already know, and which Dodge has had a big problem with this. Yes. This has never worked out well for Dodge. The only time a Mitsubishi Dodge duo ever worked out was back in the Conquest days. Right. Um, everybody, you know, everybody does a mid-sized truck or a smaller truck. You know, Chevy's got a Colorado, which has made the list. Ford's got a Ranger. Everybody's got that mid-sized truck. They're all going after that Toyota Hilux. Well, that Dakota was a weird-sized truck. The Chevy, it was the, interestingly weird. The, yes, it was. like the Rangers and the S10s. They were small trucks. Colorado is still a smaller truck. It was a midsize. The Dakota was weird. It was the, it was like that weird cup. It wasn't. It was a medium. It wasn't a large. It wasn't a small. Yeah. And, and this is something cool with the Dodge Dakota. You know, especially during the late '80s and early '90s. As far as midsize trucks go, Dodge Dakota kind of ruled the world a little bit for a second with the square body ones because they offered a V8. In their midsize truck. Well, even into what the early two thousands. Yeah, they still the, offered it. They, yeah, it was the V eight. You could even get a three sixty in a Dakota. Yeah, so they they kind of ruled the roost there for a little while with these trucks, but in your later models, they kind of played with the uh, issues. And a lot of these trucks were great trucks until you look in the used market with the early two thousands trucks. First of all, the V six engine proved to be unreliable and, and pretty thirsty. It liked to suck some fuel down. Second, it driver uh, drivers fails to perform regular maintenance, which happens a lot, especially if you're buying one of these trucks for, you know, like your kid or something like that. Uh, preventive maintenance kind of slips through the fingers. Um, but there would be an you know, oil sludge buildup, and eventually it caused engine failure. Yeah, and, what it is, actually stopped up, it stopped up the pickup tube. Yes. And started the motor fuel and lock it down. Yeah. Or, or, or spin a bearing. Yeah. And, and this was a problem. These trucks were notorious for building up oil sludge and causing these problems. And then you're sitting there with a truck that you got replaced an engine in. You know, from there, third, the most dangerous problem was how the brakes would lock up on them at random. 
Um, I've never seen one of these trucks do that, but evidently it is a, uh, a rather major issue with these, actually. Um, uh, have you ever seen a case I've of never, I've never seen the brakes locking up. I've never seen that. I've seen a bunch of Dodges that wouldn't go, but I've never just seen one that just stopped. <laughs> and just had enough. Um, so this would, co- I mean, this has a high potential of causing a car wreck, though. I mean, oh, yeah. you th- think you're going down the interstate, running 80 miles an hour, and all of a sudden the truck just locks up. But, you know, I mean, we're talking about back to the Mitsubishi thing. And Mitsubishi mm-hmm. and Dodge have been in bed with to, with each other for years. Every time Dodge cuts a corner with a Mitsubishi part, whether it be a drivetrain or even a whole vehicle that's rebranded, yeah. Other than the Starion Carquest days or Carquest Conquest, right? Carquest is always good, but you know what I'm saying. These things were horrible. Like the 300 C's when they came out, yeah. The 35 V6 and of course you know the 57 Hemi. Those were good power plants. That 27 V6 they put in base ones, that was a Mitsubishi motor. Same motor they put in a Mitsubishi Galant. Well, you know, you get, you know, and all automakers have offered that engine, if you will. I mean, you can look back to the GM days of offering the 2.8 liter. Yeah, but the, the 2.7 was a dog. I mean, 80,000 miles, those things were, were, I mean, just going all to piece, blowing all to, blowing. It got to the point where used car dealers wouldn't even buy them anymore. Yeah. And... I mean, the Dodge Coda has a good styling to it, but I would avoid your V6 models. Just, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying. You, When you're buying somebody, or when you're buying yourself or your kid a used truck, you don't want to put them in something that could possibly be fatal if the brakes are locking up on it or something like that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You put your kid in a Dodge truck, odds are you already killed a social life. <laughs> That's not my claim, but anyhow. You laughed. I, I did laugh. I did laugh. That makes you guilty. Uh, by association, I guess. Coming from the man that drives a station wagon. Hey, easy. I drive a cool station wagon, though. There's a difference. There's a difference. So I think we got time to jump into our number nine spot. Number nine on this list, uh, interestingly enough, is uh, another Ford. Uh, 2005 to 2010 Ford F-150. Uh, most people know the F-150 is the best-selling vehicle in America. In fact, Ford sold in the millions but it still has a few issues. In fact, uh, you should avoid certain model years due to problems with the engine, loud noises, rattles, and vibrations. Some users report transmission problems and a few electronic issues to boot. Now, can I step in one second? No, well, you... we, we got gray over here. We got. Yeah. I tell you, well, first I got to step in one thing. I've got a really, really, really good theory on why they're the number one truck. All right. Well, keep that theory. And make our listeners wait as we come back after these commercial breaks. Stay tuned, guys. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. On 106.3 WORD. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Odd Rod. To my left is the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, good-looking devil, Mr. Rob Pitts. One thing I can say for sure, Odd Rod, your vision is on cue. <laughs> 2020, baby. No. Um, so we're talking about the uh, top 14 list of used trucks not to buy. And the Ford F-150 has hit the list again with your 05 to 2010 F-150s. And as we discussed before the break, you know, the Ford F-150 is the most popular vehicle, selling vehicle, in America. And Rob Pitt seems to have a theory on this. So. Well, this is a bit fixed. Okay. I sold Fords for a little while. Okay. You know, I played with the enemy. Mm. You know, I was doing a secret, secret reconnaissance mission. Dabbled in devil's cookie jar. Again. Like a little, a little 007 type stuff for GM right. with Ford. And, uh, all right, whenever you see any state municipalities, highway trucks, you ever notice what kind of trucks those are? Yes, sir. Ford F-150s. You know why they are? Because they got a 
pretty good contract to make that happen. You know why they got a pretty good contract to make that happen? Yeah, because they're the best-selling truck. No, because they're the cheapest truck. There you go. Now, keep in mind, now you take all the trucks, there are people dumb enough to buy them, and then you take all the states and cities and counties that buy them, and you put those together, and... You're the best-selling truck in America. Now, I'm going to pass that a little further. Um... That's why that's that was the demise of the Chevy Caprice as far as the police cars go because they were more expensive than your Dodge Chargers or your Ford Tauruses or Crown Vicks. Well, Tauruses. I'm talking about the new Caprice, new, oh, yeah, yeah. the Holden. Um, and that's why they demised because they were more expensive. That's also why the Tahoe's not doing that well as far as a police unit goes because it's more expensive than the Explorer. If it weren't for the K9 units, they wouldn't have them at all. Exactly, and, and now they're crossing over the Explorers to be K9 units as well. Because and they got Durangos. Yeah, and well, Durangos. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that model's running out. But uh, it's because the Chevrolets just are a little bit higher valued. They're higher priced, a little bit better built. There are better options. I mean, you got you know. All right, I'm gonna get sidetracked a little bit. But with the Ford Taurus, you got the three. Oh, what the year? Three point five. Three point five. Now they do have the show model that has the turbo upgrade. Um, then with your Dodges. That are equal caliber, unless you got SRT model, you're you know you're dealing with a small five seven, which I mean it made decent power. It was a good car, and that's probably your best choice as a police car. And then you look over to the Caprice, which had an LS two sitting under the hood. Now you had a lot of departments. Now I'll tell you another thing that plagued that the car though, um, and this is getting way off topic, but I think it's cool to talk about. Another thing that plagued that car is that car was made in Australia with Mexican motors because those who don't know, the LS motor is made in Mexico. So the car is made... Are you saying it's an LS1? It is an LS1. Um, So the car is made in Australia. The LS is Mexico. When it gets here, the only thing American about it is the name Chevrolet. So a lot of police departments, municipalities have rules and regulations against buying out-of-country vehicles. And by all rights, that car is not made in the USA. Therefore, they couldn't buy it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you think Fords are great vehicles, you come from fantasy land. You I'm do. just saying. You do. So so back on point with our Ford F-150, or our 2005 to 2010, um, these were plagued with a lot of issues that were on the recall list. And Ford did go in and recall a lot of the big issues, and they fixed it. In 2010, customers started complaining again. Um, but this time it was not for the mechanical problems, but the rear gra- rear glass breaking. Evidently, these trucks, under no uh, outside acting force, no impact or hit or anything, the rear glass would just shatter. And a good way to tell this has happened to one of these trucks when you're checking it is there is a number to the glass. The side glass, the front glass, and the rear glass all have a number. If those numbers are matching, it's original glass. If not, for whatever reason, this truck shattered its rear glass. And they would do it just out of the blue, out of complete and utter random. Other than that, you know, and their little recall issues that Ford did fix, it's actually a pretty solid truck. So, I mean, maybe not necessarily one to shy away from, but know the problems that they have going into them. i tell you what's funny. You know, you're talking about the F-150s. The funny thing about F-150s, they had so many weird problems with those trucks. Yeah. A funny one. This was in the early 2000s when they went to the rounder body style. Right. They had uh, the 4.6. You know, the 4.6 got coil packs across the top of the intake. It goes down. You got four down each side with your 4.6 and your 5.4. 
The thing that was funny is we had a customer bring a truck in one time. Bought it brand new. Truck had no miles on it. I mean, the truck probably had 20,000 miles on it. Been in the Ford place a half a dozen times. It skipped when it rained. <laughs> Every time it rained, it would barely take off. I mean, it was just stumbling. And Very they couldn't figure it out. Couldn't fi- Every time. Condensation on the coil. Soon, soon as it started. But the thing was crazy, though. As soon as it stopped raining, picked back up, took off, ran fine. Interesting. So he drove it like that for a couple years. And he finally brought it to us. You know, because he just got tired of dealing with the dealership. Never could fix it. There's a piece of rubber that runs across the top of the firewall where the hood seals. Right. It was gone. It never had it. And we had another one in there that did. And it was. It kept the water from running out. And where the water running, you got to think about it. Those motors kind of set back under the firewall. It was leaking right over the top of like two of those coal packs. So it's killing two cylinders. We're short now <laughs> every time it rains. And they dry out, then pick back up and go. That's funny. I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of cars um, with issues like that, like your old points cars. A little moisture getting there. How about the LT1s? Uh, oh, yeah, the LT1s you let, were you let notorious. Moisture, you let a little moisture get in there, you're dead in the water. I've, ne- I've never had a problem with the OptiSpark setup. Knock I've wood. seen more detail shops kill LT1s oh, yeah. I mean, than any hot rodder. You could literally go to the car wash, pop open the hood, and be take that amateur move with the spray wand trying to clean off your engine. And guess what? You go back again in your car, and it no longer starts. It will not start now. And it won't start again. Ever. Yeah, until you get you a new distributor. Very interesting fact. So, moving right along to our number 10 spot, finally, something other than the big three, a 2005 to 2013 Toyota Tacoma. And this is going to break a lot of your hearts, because I know we have a lot of Toyota fans here in the southeast. Oh, yeah. I mean, taco trucks are extremely popular. Well, when the big three Ford, Dodge, and Chevy, you know, abandoned the concept of a mid-sized truck, Toyota was right there running strong, and they always have been, and the Tacoma was their platform. So for a while there, up till here recently, with Chevy revived their Colorado, you know. They had no competition. They, yeah, there's no competition. So it was a free-for-all for Toyotas, um, So, but they had problems with the Tacos, the Tacomas. Uh, the Tacoma was a relatively durable and high-quality product, um, but certain year models were part of a massive recall by Toyota for various issues. One of the main problems were the rear leaf springs that could rust and crumble under heavy loads. That's awesome. You don't want that. That's cool. Which, ironically, very ironically, the Tacoma that smashed into my uh, Silverado a few weeks back, about a month a little over a month ago now, um, the rear end collapsed when it was hit. That's crazy. I wonder why. It makes sense now. But, I mean, these trucks had all kinds of issues. And if you want to know more, because I know a lot of you probably in the market for a Toyota pickup truck, if you want to know more about these Toyotas and what problems are plagued with, you're going to stay tuned until after this commercial break. Dun, 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 all these cliffhangers. Right, I know. All right, guys, stay tuned. Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Odd Rod, and to my left is the lovely Rob Pitts. How are you doing, buddy? Doing super. All right, so we left you off. I've been brought in so many ways. Never the lovely. (laughs) Oh, God. People are going to start thinking bad of me. Uh, <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late. Anyhow, guys, we're talking about the top 10, or top 10, top 14 used trucks not to buy. 
And we're currently stuck at our number 10 spot with the 05 to 2013 Toyota Tacoma. And like I told you, this guy, this truck's probably going to break a lot of hearts because I know a lot of people love these trucks. Um, and what I was talking about before we left is the rear leaf springs actually crumbling and rusting over the years. What this also can lead to... Actually, it rusts and crumbles. Yeah, they crumbles rust, and rust. Yeah, they rust and crumble. What this actually can lead to, though, is penetrating the fuel tank that's mounted in the rear, causing a lot more issues. Now, luckily, the recall that Toyota had on these trucks did fix a lot of this, and they took care of the issue. But they also had some other problems, and this is one that I've seen personally time and time again, and it's one that drives me crazy, and that is Toyota can't lay down a white paint job. Matter of fact, they're not doing too good in the paint department at all. Their clear just literally falls off these trucks and their Sequoias and all their other Toyotas in that year air. But especially white. The white paint actually becomes chalky over not so many years. By the time it leaves its warranty stage, actually. That's crazy. It is crazy. And, I, I mean, I have family members that have a Toyota Sequoia that it literally looks like white chalk now because of their lacking in paint job. Like the be- if you buy a white Toyota truck, the best thing to do is take it to a body shop, have them strip the clear off it, and re-clear it for you. You're better off. So if you want to repaint your truck and you want to fix the rear end, and, you know other problems like you know loud noises and vibrations coming from the drivetrain, and if you're a fan of automatic, you're dealing with the slower automatic issues they have there with the transmission, which actually nothing wrong with your transmission. That's just the way they were built. I tell you what, if you ever want a dog, get you a four-cylinder automatic Toyota pickup. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's a good way to do it. I can outrun, those, outrun one of those trucks off the line on foot. Yeah, they, and they are, just like Rob said, they are dogs. Um, straight drive, a lot better, actually. But you know what? Another Toyota that's on this list is the 2005 to 2008 Toyota Tundra, which is the pickup truck uh, equivalent to your Sequoia, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, like the smaller t- uh, Tacomas, the full-size Tundra had its share of troubles, especially during the 05 and 08 year models, as I just said. Um, there was uh, also a part of a massive recall that covered hundreds of thousands of Toyota pickups. Buyers also reported that a few issues with the paint, um, the electronics, and secondary air pump. Um, despite the decent performance power out of the 5.7 liter V8, which actually is a pretty well-performing engine in those trucks, um, the the engine was loud if if you weren't you know if you aren't a performance guy if you're just wanting to drive this thing around and it actually is I've rode in a V8 model they are actually very very loud and they have that cold piston slap sound and LS motors have it too the five threes you'll get that little lifter tick when it's cold yeah I mean that's part of it I'm mean, gonna tell you something though. your Toyota guys love those trucks though I mean everybody that I've met that's got a V8 Tundra loves them oh yeah they they do. And, and that sound is not connected to the possible engine failures these trucks do have. Um, that sound actually has nothing to do with any problem whatsoever, just to forewarn you. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll make that case for the Chevy guys. If you get out in your 5.3 truck and you start up and you hear that little tick, 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 and it goes right away. If it was an old school truck, yeah, I'd say you might have a little lifter issue. It needs adjusting or a valve needs adjusting. The LS motor, it's not, it's not really the same. You don't adjust your valves, you adjust your lifters. Yeah. Or you do adjust valves, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, I, wouldn't worry, I wouldn't worry about that little sound. If it goes away after just a couple of seconds on an early, you know, cold startup, don't even worry about it. Uh, but buyers should be aware when shopping for the 05 to 08 Tundra. 
and this would also bounce in the Sequoia under that category. But also the interior was dull, and there aren't many options. In some cases, the paint could peel. Because you had a truck coming out of there. I mean, it's, it's it is. It's it, not that vehicle. It's you're right. Um, the you know the paint was notorious for the hoods and the roofs, and you know anywhere like sunshine or warm areas like the hood, um, it just it tore the paint up on these trucks. That's craziness. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know I wouldn't steer I'm like uh, I'm like the Chevy Silverado on these ones I wouldn't necessarily steer someone away from buying one of these trucks they are good trucks but you just kind of need to know up front what problems you could actually be facing and dealing with and be prepared to slap some paint on this thing if you aren't lucky enough to have one that's already been repainted because that is probably in my opinion I'm weird I'm not a paint body guy I can fix an engine. I can fix a problem there. I can replace one. I'm not a paint and body guy. I'd rather have one of these trucks, you know, blow a rod out the side of it and have to be repainted. So for me to go and buy a Toyota truck, I'm not going to do it just because of the paint issue. But if if you can look past that and you're not worried about a paint issue on a truck, they're not bad. They really aren't. But there's something to be, you know, there's something worth making this list and looking at before you were to buy one. So what's the next one, Adderall? Next on our list, uh, coming in our number 12 spot, is the 2005 to 2008 Nissan Frontier. Um, interesting truck. I don't know very many people with one of these trucks, actually. Uh, Frontier just kind of got pushed to the side. you know. And for me... It got lost in the shuffle. There's a it, lot of trucks and, you know... It did. It, and for me, after Nissan quit producing the D21, you know, the hard body, that was kind of out of the equation for me. Well, I like the Frontier. And the thing you got to think about a Frontier, all it is is a jazzed up hard body. 2.4, the same drivetrain, same everything. It's just dolled up more. And the Frontier was a popular mid-sized truck. You know, Nissan was available in various versions, like the Toyota Tacoma and the Dodge Dakota. In most cases, this was a dependable work truck without any major issues. However, 05 to 08, the models uh, they built had big problems. Almost every Frontier Nissan built in that period experienced transmission failure. To make things worse, the transmission itself wasn't the biggest problem. So, I mean, past that... The radiator was prone to cracking, and when that happened, usually after 100,000 miles, or that number is again, the coolant found its way into the gearbox, mixing <laughs> into the transmission, mixing with the transmission fluid, creating irreversible damage. Some coolants even chemically dissolved in the uh, transmission fluid, making the transmission run without any lubrication. This caused overheating in the transmission and engine breakdown. Because it would get so long into, you a manual transmission, though, you should be okay. Well, it also got into the oil of the engine. That was a problem, too. It also leaked over into the engine. So it had an oil cooler in the radiator, too. Exactly. Which meant now you got coolant over into your oil, and it's doing the same thing. It's going to break it down. And now you got an engine also running without any lubrication. So you ended up with engine breakdown. So the Nissan Frontier is an affordable truck. But the first thing you want to do is check out the transmission. You want to know if, uh, make sure it's been replaced or, you know, the the issues have been solved with the radiator. If not, run from this model. If you're sitting there with a uh, 100,000-mile truck that actually is still going strong, still running, but none of these problems have ever been addressed, you know it's likely to pop up. And you know what? There's been other radiators throughout time that have uh, had issues like that. 
Like, I'll tell you another, I love the B-body cars, you know, 91 through 96 Caprices and all that. Every one of them radiators are very notorious. Every single one of them cars, and I've owned four of them, I've had to put a radiator in because they do that plastic to aluminum clamping system on them, and they're notorious for cracking and splitting right there. Thankfully, they don't, you know, they do have transmission fluid around through them. Well, not mine anymore, but there's not a whole lot of issues as far as it bleeding over. They just leak. Um, so, and a radiator is something that a lot of people look past. A lot of people don't take care of a radiator. Yeah, a radiator in a vehicle, a car, is a fairly inexpensive thing now. It really is. And it's probably one of the easier things to change. I don't look at a radiator like a major expense anymore. No, I mean, most radiators are, what, 150 bucks. You can find them online. There's a few couple hundred bucks, but, I mean, as a rule, compared to what it could be, it's fairly inexpensive. Yeah, you can find them online way cheaper a lot of times. Um, but, I mean, you know, when it comes to something like this Frontier, this is something you really need to look at. I mean, a bad radiator in a Nissan Frontier can cause your engine and transmission to go out. And if you're, you know, you're kind of bad at checking up on your fluids, it can happen without you even noticing it. Mm-hmm. So pretty soon you're sitting there, you know, your transmission's probably going to go first, soon to follow your engine. Um, but, I mean, either way, that's that's not an expense you want to incur when you're, you know, you know, you're out there shopping for a used truck. Well, the thing, the bad part is once the water gets in there, even if you fix the problem, the damage is already done. The wear and tear on the bearings and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, like, you know, like said. And those little diesel engines, there's close tolerances on those things. I mean, there's no, it ain't like old school. I mean, you know, these things are very, very close tolerances. Yeah, and it's like I already said, you know, once, and like you just said, once the damage is done, it's irreversible. Mm-hmm. That damage is done. No matter if the problem's fixed, you've already caused that wear and tear that's going to be there forever. It's just going to pick up right where it's left off. Um, and then, you know, dealing with flushing issues, flushing all that out of there, you know, and hoping that it didn't wreck it that bad. Speaking of wrecks, let's uh, not wreck as we uh, turn to a commercial here. That's right, guys. Stay tuned. we got a lot more talking about these trucks. And i got a really fun story I want to talk about about a buddy of mine with a Corvette right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Coming up on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts, and i got Odd Rod over here with this list of do-not-buy-pick-em-up trucks. Yes, the uh, top 14 list of don't buy used pickup trucks. I'm not necessarily saying don't buy them or don't give them an eye. Sure, they might squeak one or two good ones out of all the pieces of crap they made. But I'm just telling you to consider them. Look them over. Pick them over with a fine-tuned comb. As we tooth. Tooth. You don't fine-tune the comb. I said fine-tooth. Sound like you said tune. I have a speech problem. Why they gave me a radio position? I have no idea. Would you fine tune? I must be the one you use. Yeah. Anyhow, coming in our number thirteen spot would be the two thousand four to two thousand and six Nissan Titan. Produced for a long time, the Nissan Titan was an affordable and simple work truck with decent mechanics and engines. However, it also had its own share of issues and failures, even with the Nissan trying to cover it up. The Titan wasn't a part of any of the major recalls in that period, even though most pickup experts think it should have been. The biggest problem with the Titan Nissan is, between the years of 04 through 06, is its rear axle, which is pretty important for a pickup truck, or any car in general. The problem with the rear differential is its loose sealing, which let oil leak out. Any vehicle without oil will fail soon, and lots of owners experience this. Some even manage to have Nissan cover it by their warranties, so if you're looking for a Titan, first check the differential and seals 
and everything else. Make sure there ain't fluid leaking Nothing out of the rear. Nothing worse than a leaky rear end. I, you know what? I wholeheartedly agree, and they make things for that, like a modium. Um, since this truck is out of date styling and the interior uh, equipment, the prices are now affordable. But just be sure to check out the rear end. You don't want it failing on you going down the road. I tell you or what. Or hauling a load. If anybody knows, this old boy's checked out quite a few rear ends in his day. Got to keep an eye out for those kind of things. You got, you got to, man. You got to take care of the rear end. I'm just saying. Uh, coming in, lastly, our number 14 spot. And so thankful to see this one make the list. And I was going to be assured it made the list just because I hate it personally. And we actually talked about it a little bit earlier, which was funny. The 2006 to 2008 Honda Ridgeline. Because it ain't a truck. That's <laughs> why. That's the first reason. So Honda introduced its first pickup back in 2006, which was a sign Honda wanted to enter the full-size truck game. Even though the idea, design, and equipment were spot-on, the mechanics were problematic. And I don't think any of that is true about the spot-on crap, but I'm forced to yeah, say Yeah, this it. is, I mean, I'll be honest, I feel more comfortable with Ikea making a full-size truck than Honda. I kind of agree with you there, considering Honda makes a lawnmower, like Mitsubishi makes a TV. I have problems with either, either of those companies producing a car. The Ridgeline was uh, the only full-size truck featured in an independent rear suspension, which is kind of cool, I ain't going to lie, a unibody construction without a typical ladder-type chassis. Um, this meant the Ridgeline was just a lifestyle truck with a small payload and towing capacity. Basically, you throw your bicycle in the back, and that's about all it's... It's a Honda El Camino. Basically, you're correct. Very much so. Or a Rampage. Basically, it was the truck for people that didn't need a truck. <laughs> Under the hood was a 3.5-liter V6 engine that didn't have a lot of torque at 247 foot-pounds of torque, yet all the problems with the Ridgeline came from those upgrades. Since they made the truck for highway driving and not for towing and hauling, when somebody used the Ridgeline for any real purpose, things started to break. The suspension and the cross-member failed, and the engine would burn too, too much oil, emitting a gray-blue smoke. So although the 3.5-liter V6 was perfect for the Accord and any other midsize sedan in a pickup truck with a pulling and carrying duties, it wasn't enough. So if you want this kind of truck, you can find the Ridgeline at a relatively inexpensive price, but the signature Honda reliability doesn't come with it. I mean, you bought an Accord that is a pickup truck, and when you have a pickup truck, you're going to do pickup truck things. Not with a Ridgeline. Not with a Ridgeline. This is a truck by looks only. You drive this thing to TCBY, you like go to the grocery store and get two bags of groceries put in the back. It's loaded out. Yep. Squatting. I mean, literally, this is a truck to throw back a quick crate in the back, and that's about it. You know, carry your bike on a... If you you can put it in the truck of an Accord, you can haul it in your Ridgeline. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. It it gets no better than that. Enough of this. This is frustrating. I'm over here like, I'm trying to strangle myself with my headphone cord. (laughs) I can't handle it anymore. All right, guys. So that was a roundup of a list of trucks just to look out for when you're going to buy a used truck. We're not talking about another truck for the rest of the show. All right. And I want to tell you something, guys. I want to talk about something good. I want to talk about something American. All right, let's do it. All right. Well, a couple of them trucks were pretty American. I'm going to paint you a picture. Hush your face. <laughs> I'm going to paint you a picture. All right, paint it. Paint America it. sports car. Corvette. Ding, ding, you're right. All right. 1999. Good year. End of the year. Good year. Guy's going out. Says, you know what? I want to buy me a Corvette. He's a traveling salesman. He's a good man. This man right here, his name is Mark Blackwell. He's from Jacksonville, Florida. 
He bought his 2000 C5 Corvette in torch red with light oak leather interior and a six-speed manual transmission. Good taste. He bought it, and he loved it. He drove it 125 miles a day every day for 18 years. That's a lot of mileage. He just retired, and he actually donated the car to the Corvette Museum. So he, he drove this up to the day of retirement. Yes. He drove it every day, 125 miles. I'm going to say this man pinched every penny out of a Corvette that he bought. He got his money's worth out of it. This car has 773,000 miles on this Seven. Corvette. On Three the original, quarter million miles. Yeah, on the original drivetrain. It's the only thing mechanically that's been done to the engine is it had a set of head gaskets put on it 20,000 miles ago. Mm. Period. Mm. Now, keep in mind. It's had brakes, tires, and routine maintenance. Right. And I'm sure it's had a fuel pump probably put in because it does have an electric pump. Right. But this car, and it still looks great. I mean, like, he washes it once a week. He waxes it twice a year. It gets parked in the garage and drives it 125 miles a day. It's only been on a rollback one time. I imagine that's a head gasket issue. No. Really? He hit a piece of wood in the road and blew out two tires. (laughs) He had it for about two years when that happened. That's That's amazing. But this car, and drove it every day. This car drives in to the museum, parked with all these zero-mile cars and these low-mile vets. The highest recorded mileage Corvette. And the Corvette he had before that, which was a 92, he traded it in with 340,000 miles on it. This man knows how to drive a Corvette. But this is the thing you got to think about. Just just putting this in numbers. These are diesel truck numbers, guys. Like yeah. big semi-truck numbers. But this is the thing you got to think about. Just I started thinking about it. Do you know how far the moon is from here? I do not. It's 280,000 miles. So he drove there almost three times. Right. This is No, the, over three times. Yeah. Over three times. And then some. Yeah. You got to think about it. Every time NASA sends the space shuttle to the moon, they got to rebuild that thing. Maybe they ought to get them some of them GM engineers out there. You know, okay. We could LS the space shuttle and save a lot of money. There's no doubt. You and I are GM guys. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. And I know a lot of the GM fanatics out there are going to say, well, man, yeah, it's got an LS motor in it. And it does. It does. I think this is more of a testament to routine maintenance. It is a testament to routine maintenance. They use mobile one oil religiously, and it changed the oil every 5,000 miles. But the thing that was really cool about this, you got to think about it. This man drove the equivalent of driving from New York to Los Angeles, Fifth Avenue on New York to Los Angeles, 277 times. That's a lot. He drove around the world. What What did we figure that out to be? Like 31 times? 31 times he drove around the world. The equator. Yeah, the equator. So, I mean, this is insane. And in a C5 Corvette. Which, I mean, you know, this is a car that's kind of notorious from getting hot-rodded out, being used as a road course car, being just drove hard. But could you imagine how wore out this Corvette is? Like the suspension on it. You know... I would think he replaced shocks and whatnot over the oh, years. Oh, I'm sure it's had struts put on it. But, but you got to think, though. I mean, everything has three-quarter of a million miles on it. You know, if properly taken care of, which it sounds like our, our guy done with this Things car, still wear, though. Things do still wear, but if it's properly greased and all that, I mean, you know, I might I might would uh, replace ball joints before I take it out on this next cruise, just me personally. 
But I would think all in all, the car, you know, it's got things running through it all the time. It's not like it's just sitting. By no, no, no it's been in motion, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, I would think there wouldn't be really a major issue. But, I mean, this is a really, it's a testament, though. To, to, and, you know, and, and the guy, and they actually were talking to Mark about it. And they were talking about it, said people talk about new cars don't last anymore. He said they made a good one that day. Yeah. Well, speaking of a good one, it's a good time to stop because we're out of time for this week. And, guys, you're going to have to... Stick around for another week before you hear from us again. That's right, guys. I tell you what, thanks for playing along. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 106.3 WORD. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.